GPT is the language model developed by OpenAI that uses machine learning to understand and generate human-like text. It is widely used in natural language processing and chatbot development to create more human-like conversations and automate tasks such as content creation. GPT-3 is the third version of the model, which is considered as the most advanced AI model in text generation. I'm D.A. Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyond Se Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. And this is In Camera Podcast, where we let ChatGPT write our episode intro. Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, welcome back. I missed you. Missed you too, Leo. It's been a minute. Yes, it's been a little bit too long and I'm so excited that we're here, that we're ready to, you know, start our first official 2023 conversation and oh boy, there's so much to talk about, right? Starting off by the fact that this episode is coming out the week that the National Trial Lawyer Summit is taking place in Miami. So that's so exciting, right? And hopefully we're going to have some things to share about that on our next episode. But uh, yeah, I'm just, I just, you know, I'm so excited to hear about all of the things that you guys have planned out. And so if you're listening to this on your way to the Trial Lawyer Summit, know that you should definitely stop by the Persist booth because there's going to be some exciting thing, uh, exciting stuff happening there. Want to give us a quick sneak peek, Grace? Sure. Thanks, Leo. Um, so the highlights are uh, we're going to have Mike Tyson as our meet and greet celebrity. So for many That's of you who know, right, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm very excited. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's pretty cool. Like uh, for those of you that know us as the Lake Law Firm and Persist Group, we're persistent in the pursuit of justice for everybody. So part of our branding and I our like ideas, right? I mean, that's for us, that's what it is about. That's why we, when we first started this whole celebrity thing for NTL, we started with Danica Patrick. Who can be more persistent than a female in indie? You know what I mean? Like a race car driver, female, amazing. Then John McEnroe. Now here we are, third year running. We're going to have Mike Tyson. That's amazing, Grace. Honestly, I'm very, very, very uh, inspired by everything that you guys have done in terms of really bringing entertainers, sports persons, personalities into the event. Everything that you do from the events that are inside as part of the conference to everything that happens outside. And that is on top of, you know, just being a very prominent exhibitor at the conference. So that's exciting. And we are very, very much looking forward. At least me and my team are very much looking forward to experiencing this. And uh, yeah, for those of you who are going to be around there, stop by the Nanato Media booth. We're going to have fun things happening. We're also going to have our mini uh, little day of uh, presentations. So you can get more information in there, learn a little bit more about Sonic branding, learn a little bit more about the Hispanic market and why you should certainly be tapping into that opportunity. And hopefully just have a great time there, right? Definitely. And yeah. you're underselling what you're talking about. So ladies and gentlemen, please pay attention here. He's talking about an event he's going to have across the street on Wednesday. So this is going to go out on Monday. You'll be able to hear this and then actually join it. When yeah. he's talking about Sonic branding and 
all of those things, this is something that most of you have not heard of or have heard of, but very, very briefly. So please, 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 this is going to be a great presentation. Make sure you go and you go visit Nanato Media's booth and see where, what it's all about. All right. Thank you so much, Grace. You're making me blush here. All right. Enough about self-promotion. Now let's get into the conversation of today because it's going to feel for a lot of you that both Grace and I are jumping late into the bandwagon of chat GPT. So Grace, let's, let's start from the very, very beginning because I wouldn't be surprised that a lot of people are hearing chat GPT and have no F clue what that is about. So break it down and make it easy for those who are still lost when it comes down to that conversation. So I, I Leo's asking me to do this because I'm very good at the layman term part of things when it comes to <laughs> software. Um, so to make it as simple, literally as simple as possible, those conversational chatbots that you interact with on all kinds of websites, this is a component of that. However, it takes it a step further it calls it chatbot AI. Okay. And when everybody talks about AI, that's artificial intelligence. What that really truly means is that you're feeding data information to the chatbot so that it naturally responds to questions and it acts like it's a person. That is what this AI, this chatbot. And when we're talking about that, that's what we're talking about is a bot that can act like close to a human and answer questions that are naturally requested the way you and I speak and then it answers in the way you and I speak, not the usual, how are you today? Click button, yes, click button, no type of thing. No, this is natural language requests for information and natural language requests uh, besides the information responses. Yeah, that's it. It's mm -hmm. basically more powerful AI system that mm -hmm. what it can do now, particularly talking about chat GPT, is it's able to basically create content based on questions, instructions, fact-checking things that are presented to it. And obviously, right now, there is a lot of hype going on around it. But what is very important for us to understand is that this technology did not emerge all from the sudden, and it's been around already for a while. And it's been put in use for many different things. But one that's been very prevalent and known is content writing, right? Why do I need to write my own content if I can just get a machine to do it for me, right? I will tell it. I need you to write an article about how to uh, apply for uh, the best credit card bonuses in the year of 2023. And you go out and you uh, put up that inquiry and the bot's going to generate the content for you. Now, here's the thing. The thing now is that with ChatGPT, things gotten better, right? The AI bot, like Grace was calling it, is now smarter. Now, th the quality of content and the complexity of commands has increased. And what's happening now, and I think the where this conversation becomes relevant for us, is do we need to fear that ChatGPT is going to in a way or in another, replace the valuable content that law firms who are creating uh, blog articles and practice area pages is going to be impacted. If you are doing a complex and robust SEO strategy, 
And now all from a sudden you have a bunch of other law firms that are going to start to putting chat GPT bot generated content on the website at a much faster rate than probably you are in such. How is that going to affect your firm or not? So I think that's kind of like where these things can go from the marketing standpoint, because that's what we do here. We talk about legal marketing. Now, I mean, from a practical and practical and convenient side, uh, uh, business of law sort of things like managing your internal op operations. This is a wonderful technology that should be embraced. I don't know how much we can rely on it for it to really complete tasks, either do complete tasks or tasks without supervision. But I certainly think that we're going to be able to continue leveraging a lot of opportunities coming out from this type of technology in order to just become more efficient, efficient, right? Especially through automation, Grace. What, what are your thoughts? Let's, let's cover that part, the business of law side of things, then we can go and wrap it up on the uh, marketing side of things. Yeah. So on the business of law side of things, it hundred percent, I agree with you. It's one of those things that it, it can be used, but it will always need to be supervised. It's they tell you right on the GP on the site, <laughs> as a matter of fact, that this is the fourth version of it um, that they are releasing and that it while it's darn good and it can even code now <laughs> for you and build code, um, it still needs supervision, but it gives you a base to work off of. And that's what I, I use it for is to have a base model to work off of. So it gives me kind of like the basic structure and terms that I want. And it gives me an idea of what I'm looking for and with the good words and all that kind of stuff. However, I always need a content person to look it over, review it, and then I further review it for accuracy and legalese. So 100, yeah, a hundred percent. Uh, it does need a lot of supervision now, but what you're bringing up here is that number three, which is the current version and heading towards number four, it already feels that like it's going to be much smarter, right? And so people are talking about that. They're saying like, yeah, the one now it's impressive, but really what I'm interested in or what worries me is what's going to happen uh, when, when three, four or five versions from now start coming up. And as you're saying, Grace, I think, you know, ultimately us as humans, we're going to be very well at understanding where we can leverage content that, uh, sorry, where we can leverage work that is produced by an automated machine or in when is it that we need to step in. And what I do like about the, just generally speaking about all of this technology that becomes available to us is that it can certainly help us become more efficient without necessarily having to uh, having to get us out of the things that we like to do that's that's where i see you know that it can be very very valuable no matter what your line of work is if you can find a way where transactional and simple and small things that you any anyhow did not necessarily enjoy doing completing or performing can now be done by a machine then i think that's wonderful that's a great opportunity that needs to be embraced and that's a great uh way to becoming more effective right um, so as a whole, I think, you know, thumbs up to, to the technology, but now if we may, let's talk a little bit from the marketing standpoint. So do we feel that search engines are going to be empathetic towards, uh, bot generated content? I mean, Grace, my, my, even though there's good things that come out of these, uh, machines, I personally, you know, believe everything still needs to, 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 to be line edited and needs editorial work. And the thing about it is that it's not accurate. It's not accurate at all. It writes and collects and pulls information that may be about accurate, 
but it's not precise. And so particularly when you're talking about the legal industry, everything needs to be factual. Everything needs to be factual. And if it's not, then you need to also be very precise at determining what are the things that not and why. And for that one reason, I believe that it's not going to necessarily be very, very helpful from really coming up with content that's going to be helpful to the users. And, and, and that's what we need to always keep in mind, right? Google. So let's put it that way, right? Is ChatGPT the new content farm? Probably it is. And we already know Google doesn't like content farms. They don't like them. They don't like them. So there is no indication that tells us here that ChatGPT is now all from the sudden going to become more acceptable to search engines. And ultimately, the other thing that needs to be taken into consideration is that it's, you know, the same tech that is powering ChatGPT, it's going to get to the search engines as well. And they're going to be able to, to tell, to understand what's actually being written by a human and what isn't. So I think, you know, as, as excited as we want to get about, hey, you know, I'm going to go and fire everyone in my team uh, that, that deals with content creation, marketing and such, because right now I can get a lot of that through ChatGPT. I think you're still putting at stake a lot. Obviously, number one, your brand and reputation. And number two, the, the results that you were generating through more carefully curated content. Great. Go on, please, because I'm here on a monologue. My main concern, and I, I know that exactly what you're saying about content on Google, right? Google has semantic algorithms and real people looking at the information that comes through it. So even Google has people, right, as part of their yeah. AI. Yeah. And they say it. They tell you all the time. They have people reviewing the semantic language and making sure things are being fed back in data-wise. So, yeah, Google's going to see that. Google's going to know it's a spin-rewritten and know that it's going to be potentially duplicate content. Even if it's not all pulled from the same source, this is still could, could be considered majority duplicate content because you're taking yep. content from other places and putting it in one place. So without yep. editorial review, without you know line item editing, this is not going to work the way, even close to the way you believe it should. There's no sources, Grace. You don't know where the information is coming from. And that's why even when, when the idea that, well, why do I, why, why would I need Google anymore if I can just go and get ChatGPT to give me all the answers they need? Because you cannot fact check them. You don't know where this information is coming from, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, sources, we're legal. This is the legal industry. We need sources and it has to be accurate. Like not just accurate, it needs to be legally, factually correct. So yeah, no, I completely agree with you that this is a good tool. It is not the be all and end all, and it will not replace anything that you're doing currently. I, no matter how you want to look at it, I, I, I'm telling you, this is not going to replace anything. Right. And you know what? And the things that it will, great, because it's going to be to your benefit. And there are things that maybe, maybe they don't necessarily need a human to be taken care of. But certainly when you're dealing with human relations, you probably want to keep the human at the lead of those things. I know. 
That's why my common sense says, right? All right, great. So that's ChatGPT. We'll just be looking at it. I mean, it's really, really impressive. I don't know if you've been paying a lot of attention to the news, but the offer that Microsoft, well, it's kind of like an agreement that Microsoft and uh, OpenAI are putting in as, as a way of kind of like merging, partnering together. It's really, really mind-blowing, like all of the different elements of the partnership, they're, they're, they're buying it, but not necessarily buying it, but they're going to be taking the majority of the revenue of the profits, but up to a certain extent, and they're capped. And the bottom line is that these companies being now valued at $100 billion, and that's like, wow, a very, very aggressive valuation for something that, you know, is still kind of like where it is. So we'll see, but certainly something that needs to be on everyone's radar. All right. Other things that need to be on our radar, Masters Updates. It's yeah. already a new year, 2023. I'm sure we want to hear about some of the ones that we've been following for the past few months, but there's also new stuff. So, Grace, why don't you walk us through some of the updates there? Yep, certainly. So um, I wanted to start originally with uh, the hair relaxer stuff. However, I do want to mention the updates on the Tylenol. Um, so the criteria has updated. Um, I know I very briefly mentioned it last year when we were talking about some mass torts and that Tylenol, you know, they believe it causes uh, autism um, and or ADHD behavioral issues in children when uh, pregnant women are taking it um, while they're pregnant. So with that being said, the criteria has slightly been modified. Uh, prior, it was, you know, you had to take it X number of times. Um, but they also have included some additional products. So it's not just Tylenol. It's like anything with acetaminophen that's been produced or manufactured, excuse me, by Johnson & Johnson. And those are like Alka-Seltzer Plus. I mean, these are things that people take just on the regular. So it's a little yeah. crazy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You go and buy it. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Dayquil, Excedrin, Flu Therapy, Midol, Mucinex. I mean, these are things that are like, I mean, when you're pregnant, it pretty much you believe on the back, it tells you, you know, ask your doctor and all of that, but that they're fairly safe, or at least that was the idea. So they've opened it up to uh, other syndromes, which are all behavioral related as well, uh, besides the autism spectrum disorder. Um, they're spe specifying Asperger's syndrome, Canner syndrome, childhood disintegrative disorder. So literally your child is falling apart awful pervasive so, developmental disorder and then adhd you know which is uh, specific uh, <sighs> yeah so you know there's a few things there's some you know excluding factors as they call them so basically if you had you know um if your child was uh, diagnosed uh, with down syndrome fragile x tourette's or tuberous sclerosis it unfortunately disqualifies your child from this case um you know, if they were taking certain other types of drugs over certain ages, you know, basically things that could affect the litigation, right? And that show, hey, you know, other identifying factors could be involved and it can't be linked necessarily to the acetaminophen. So just like anything else, guys, you you, you know, you know that this is always uh, emerging litigations and they're always changing the criteria based on what they find during the science days or the days, you know, or the information that's coming out of memos or advertising or marketing. So that's Tylenol. Uh, do you have any questions about the Tylenol criteria and kind of what's been happening? So are we now looking at a more stable mustard here? Is it that is, is it at a stage where it's already 
like are cases getting signed? They're getting signed and they're being filed very, very soon. So the, yes, we're definitely at that stage where it's past emerging and it's now in its, I would say infancy, but it's definitely out there and it's the people are signing up and they're, you know, we're, we're going to see how this all shakes out in the next month or two. Yes, please keep us up to date on that one. Definitely. So this one, um, it's kind of a big deal. Um, this next one that I'm going to tell everybody about, it's an emerging mass tort and it's on chemical hair relaxers. Now, the history of chemical hair relaxers is is pretty extensive, okay? Um, you know, I don't know if anybody actually uh, was on the, uh, I believe it was, I'm not sure if it was Harris Martin or if it was MTMP that put it on, but basically they had a hair relaxer webinar and they went over the history and kind of what's going on with the science behind the hair relaxer tort. So what's been happening is, you know, it's primarily African-American women that use hair relaxers and the hair relaxers, what they do is they use a chemical that's in the hair relaxer to release the curls in the person's hair. And the way it releases those curls is that the chemicals make the proteins less strong, right? It basically breaks the proteins in the hair to release the coils in a person's hair. And because most hair is protein, it's, you know, keratin protein and some other um, lipids and things of that nature, the science side of it, right? So in order to release it, they used to use lye, which is like soap, uh, back mm -hmm. old school soap, um, okay. and, and other components to release the coil. Now, Johnson & Johnson came out with a safer version because they found that lye was causing skin, like severe skin issues in people and that long term, your hair would fall out, right? Because over time, you're weakening it constantly. And if you use it too often, your hair could fall out. So when they came out with this better and uh, less, more safe solution, um, that was quite a few years after they'd already started using these lye-based products. Now, after that, what ended up happening is they realized that people seem to be, women who are using these, seem to be much more likely to develop certain diseases and or cancers. Now, this is extremely new, right? And when I say this is an emerging litigation, that's why I'm saying emerging litigation. And it's because they still need a lot of the science days that I talk about when something first comes out. And that way they can make that link, right? So for those of you who aren't attorneys um, and are listening to this as a marketing person, it's always about the link between the tort and the injury. Can we prove that this caused that or at least darn close that's when i talked to you guys many many seasons ago about daubert or fry um so basically it's a bellwether trial that has to happen in most cases to make sure that they can link everything right they say this is this hair relaxer product can and will potentially can and will cause these cancers or these issues we're not there yet so right now we're in the findings phase and what they have found thus far is that they believe it is causing, one moment, <laughs> uterine cancer, ovarian cancer, endometriosis, uterine fibroids, and or potentially breast cancer. So as of right now, two, three, four, five, those are the five diseases or injuries that they believe 
the hair relaxers are causing in women. Now, the requirement is that they have used hair relaxers at least four times in a year. That is so far the current criteria. It might change, as you all know, depending on what they find out. Um, but I'd say most African-American women tend to use the hair relaxers once their hair starts growing out again. So they can and do generally use it four to plus times a year if that's part of the regular hair regimen. So the possibility for this affecting a lot of women, it, it's it's pretty massive, honestly. Yeah. Um, it, it's this is this is part of like a lot Grace, of pardon my ignorance but like why would you use a hair relaxer and i'm asking this as someone who's not necessarily familiar with a product like is this something you apply at your home do you go to a salon for a treatment like so this both. one is specifying about the ones you apply at home right so you uh -huh. can go buy a box like you can go buy a box of hair coloring right as an mm -hmm. example it's the same concept you buy a okay. hair relaxer Instead of coloring your hair, what you're doing is you're relaxing your hair. And a relaxer, all it do, is doing is straightening your hair. So it's a hair straightener. It's yeah. a chemical hair straightener is what it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Wow. So this is terrible. I mean. There's some women that use it every month that, that use a new box every month. I mean, think about hair coloring because this is very similar to that. If your hair grows uh, out and, and you have, you know, a half inch of the wrong color. It's the same thing with this. If your hair grows out and you have a half inch of curly hair yeah. and the rest of your hair is straight, you're going to use it again. Yeah. So what you're saying, Grace, is that the, the products are not products that are discontinued. They're still on stores. They're still being sold and they're still uh, potentially generating harm. So this has that potential. And so do we think that the next step is waiting for a recall or can the master start before there is a voluntary recall by by all of those who are using these chemicals in their products they can start before there's a recall we've already started um looking okay pieces so yeah for us it's we've already began the uh the outreach to let people know about this because it's going to affect so many people and uh, some of the potential plaintiffs the way they look at it is uh hairstylists and beauticians because they do buy l'oreal and some all of these products that are hair relaxers that they apply to their their people, right? And yeah. potentially even absorb it in their skin and if they use it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of women that, that are beauticians or hairstylists use the products that they apply to other people too. Right. And then of course, long-term users of hair relaxers, like to answer your question, yes, you can go into a store, Walgreens even and wherever and buy a box yeah. of hair relaxer and apply yeah. it to your head. Yeah, yeah, that's how it was sounding to me for the most of it. So, um, by the looks of it, Grace, and please correct me if I'm wrong, this sounds like it's going to be a long sit and wait, despite all of the research that's being done, because there it's going to take some time, right, to for a consensus to emerge where it is very, very evident that there is a correlation between the usage of this and that in the in the public eye. I'm assuming, no, no. Obviously, the legal space seems already very, very convinced. Yes. And, uh, you know, there's enough information out there so far that they believe that this is uh, strong enough to continue forward. Right. And, and yeah. generally speaking, if it's strong enough to continue forward, they're going to. Um, yeah. My personal experience with torts over the last eight years 
Um, I don't, I do believe that they were going to drop some of these uh, diagnoses. Um, mainly, I personally believe breast cancer is going to be dropped from this uh, because many of you may or may not remember talcum powder had breast cancer on there as well. And that was one of those uh, diagnoses that was a little uh, loose, right? So um, I believe that this is going to change pretty quickly, um, quickly in, in the scheme of things, right? When I say quickly, um, but I, yes, it, it's so new, it's emerging and it's, this is going to change. It's uh, quite a few things of this are going to change. Uh, and as I find out about it, I will definitely let you guys know, cause we'll be getting cases in and we'll see what the, uh, makeup of the uh, people that are affected look like, right? And how many times they have uterine cancer or ovarian or endometriosis. And we're going to see what the census looks like. Um, yeah. And at that point, we'll be, we'll have a lot more information as to how many people are affected and what we're seeing in terms of injuries. Yeah. Well, Grace, thanks so much for uh, keeping us posted on that and uh, helping us keep the pulse of mass storage, because obviously it's an ever-changing thing and uh you know it's there's just ones that are evolving and then others ones that are coming on as new so i i think you know the tylenol one was kind of like an underdog from what i recall the last year a lot of ambiguity around it but it seems like it's uh starting to get consolidated into something and and this obviously it's it's super early days from what it sounds even though you know i appreciate you and your team take a very uh, proactive approach towards starting your outreach uh, efforts early on, but it will be very interesting to see uh, what these things potential masters evolve into. So, um, Grace, I think you know we went through a few things today, and enough for us to get us some good takeaway. So, why don't we start there? What's your first takeaway? You know, it has to be with the chat AI and GPT. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, just don't, don't forget that a pair of human eyes, particularly good quality editors <sighs> are always going to need to look at your content. You cannot rely solely on automation and at least not for the near future, maybe never ever, but definitely not for the near future. Chat GPT has not, has been out forever. It's, it is getting better. Use it as a tool, not as your replacement. That's my first takeaway. Yeah, I get, you know, I'll, I'll, to, to not be completely uh, uh, negative about it on the creative side of things, use it as a, as, as a baseline, right? Use it as a way of getting inspired, getting ideas, getting some feedback into some thoughts that you have. I think that's wonderful. I just wouldn't necessarily treat it as a finished product, just from, you know, what it basically generates from you from the screen and then just publishing that as if it was done. And hopefully a lot of you are not doing that anyhow. So Grace, I'm going to make uh, takeaway number two about our amazing conference. You know, I'm so excited about it, Grace. And, you know, um, there's a lot going on. It's a fun conference. It has obviously the conference uh, part of it, but there also there's all the other events surrounding it. Like you, like you were saying, your big boat party on Monday night. And then obviously there is the Golden Gavel Awards, which are always um, interesting because of the recognition that legal uh, law firms and advertisers alike get for their campaigns. You know, we were nominated for three categories. Yeah, I'm actually very, uh, very excited about it. As well. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so, you know, if you've never been to one, you should definitely consider maybe it's too late to go to this one, but go to one of the other things that the trailers do, because they actually put very good uh, events, to be quite honest, like having been to a lot of them. And I think theirs are amongst the best. I don't know. What are your thoughts? No, I, I agree. I think that the events that they put on uh, are, are clean, you know, and, and yeah. The information just makes sense when you go. Cause yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We go to so many conferences and events <laughs> that we're, I think we can tell by now what's a good one versus a bad one, you know? And I don't think any of them are bad necessarily, at least not that I've attended. I attended one really bad one, but other than that, I can't <laughs> say any bad ones. They all give some sort of value. Yeah. Just some give more value than others. And I agree with you. Yeah. It's more value than yeah. some of the others do. Yeah, yeah. I've I, listen. I, I was, yeah. You know, obviously, as an as an exhibitor here, I, 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 my mind is thinking of other things. But I've actually sat down in a lot of the of the presentations and talks, and they're and they're the the content is terrific. Um, it's really really mind blowing. And I'm not a lawyer, and I sometimes go and sit up on the uh, on the trial talks. Like I I had the privilege of listening to uh, Ben Crump and Mark Mara last year, and it was just like, yeah. Tremendous. Very, very, very good. Yeah, excellent. So we have that. And then we have a final takeaway for day, right? And I, I believe we need to wrap up with masters. Yep, I agree. Uh, so, uh, you know, a little bit of a reminder, I guess, um, when it's an emerging litigation, there's obviously a lot more stuff that needs to go into it. Um, but it is a good time to get into the organic side of marketing for a mass mm. tort. So if you're aware of it if it's something that makes sense to you uh because you know whatever the reason you know if you you, you believe in the cause or it, it just makes sense and something that you can handle i say put up a practice area page and do some you know minimal it doesn't have to be extreme you can even use chat gpt <laughs> uh, to help as a tool um, but I would say put it out there um, if it's something that makes sense for you to do for Tylenol and or hair relaxers, um, because I think it's going to affect so many, so many people. Um, and if it's a cause that makes sense to you, start get, gathering these organic leads for emerging and even infant litigations like this. It's a good time to get into it. Um, not You don't have to spend a lot of money on getting these cases. And, um, and yeah, if you can file them and you can carry that kind of a small budget for this type of new litigation, I think is a good idea. All right, Grace, let's put, let's put ChatGPT here on the bench for a moment, okay? I just typed in, I have it here opened in front of me, and I just typed in, what is the Tylenol Mustard? And this is what it spit it out, okay? The Tylenol Mustard refers to a series of lawsuits filed against the manufacturers of Tylenol in the 1980s after several people died from taking Sinead-laced capsules of the over-the-counter pain medication. The incident, which is now known as the Tylenol murderers, Jesus, resulted in significant changes to the packaging and marketing of over-the-counter drugs in the United States. The lawsuits alleged that the manufacturers failed to adequately protect the public from the tampered products and sought damages for the harm caused by the poison Tylenol. You see, you see why this is not gonna work for you because this is giving you information about something that happened in the 80s. That's this crazy. is not now. This is not what we are talking about right now. Nope. So 
Two nil. With yeah, proceed with caution, right? Proceed yeah. with caution. It's good. It's fun. It's really mind blowing, right? That it tells you this. Oh my God. And by the way, I do want to point out those who were in the in the first Tylenol uh, mastered back in the eighties, because um, I did learn that apparently Tylenol is not being uh, it's, it's not a stranger to the master uh, to the mastered world. Uh, I gotta give a hats up to the people that came up with the Tylenol murderers as a tagline for the yeah. Great, great, great way of positioning, great way of positioning the case in the public opinion. All right. So, Grace, thank you so much. What a great opportunity to catch up with you again. And I'm going to be looking forward to our next one, which is going to be hopefully in a few weeks from now. Awesome. But, oh, no, I'll see you. We're, we're going to catch I'm up. See you next, next week. week. Right. Yep. But conversation wise, in this context, yeah, it's going to be a little while. But thank you. Thank you for listening. And yeah, we'll be back soon. See you soon, Leah. All right. Bye. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week. Oh, 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 oh,